Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. A professor was taking a ferry across a rather long river. And he was the only passenger uh, with the man who was steering and directing the boat. And they began talking. And he said to the man, "Um, have you learned your arithmetic? And the man said, no. He said, well, you've wasted one-third of your life. He said, how is your reading and writing? He said, "Uh, I'm illiterate. I don't read and write. He said, well, you've wasted another third of your life. And then all of a sudden a storm came up. And it began to blow the boat around. And as the boat is being blown around, the ferryman asks the professor, have you learned how to swim? (laughs) And, And the professor says, no, I haven't. And he said, well, you may have wasted your entire life as, as, as the boat went over and he swam away. Well, we all are one day going to be in a position where we have to cross the river, or as Bauer would put it, the ocean of illusion. And we need to have the tools that allow us to cross that ocean. You can have lots of different tools in the world. Uh, you can know lots of different things in the world. But it comes down to what are you preparing yourself for and what is your intention for your life? Is your intention... Uh, to get accolades within the world is your intention to make your place within the world or is your intention to prepare yourself for the next part of your existence and if your intention if you've been fortunate enough to understand that this existence is temporary and there's more to it then meets the eye, you know that there's something else that you have to do. And the rules for that something else are different than the rules for this world. The rules for the world are aggression, grab, and take. And that's how you appear to be successful. Accumulation makes you successful. Uh, Gaining things makes you successful. Uh, The more toys you have, the further ahead you are in the game. But if you are looking to make your way to be acceptable in the next world, And to be acceptable to God, the first thing we have to do is we have to make the intention that we want to be 
acceptable to God. That we have decided that our life is going to be lived in such a way that we become acceptable to God. And the mainstay of that intention and the mainstay of that understanding is love. Love for everything. Love for everybody. Love without condition. A little girl uh, was playing with her dolls and a friend of the family came by and was sitting with her. And she had a whole bunch of dolls. Uh, very, very beautiful ones and some not so pretty. And uh, he asked her, which doll do you like the most? And he thought she was going to pick up one of the really beautiful ones. Instead, she had this old discarded doll that was scratched and torn. And she picked that up and she said, I love this one the most. And he said, why that one? She said, well, if I don't love that one, nobody else will. And that's the kind of understanding we need to develop in our own being. God loves the discarded. God loves the ones who are homeless. God loves the ones who were left behind. God loves everybody. Can we love everybody? Can the status of our love be so strong that we can love the ones who've been discarded by the world? Or do we need success in the world in order to give somebody credence for their existence? Do we judge and measure? Or have we gotten to the point where we allow God to be the judge and we just love? It's a big change in attitude. I know people who are really annoying, except when they're around rich people. Then all of a sudden, they're not annoying. They're very gracious. But when they're with ordinary people, they've constantly got to show how big they are, except when they're with people who are bigger than them, and then they kowtow to them. Um, The world is interesting that way. Uh, people scream at waitresses, but, uh, when somebody rich comes around, they open the door for them. It's, it, it, it also works in, in lots of other ways. People will overcharge poor people, but undercharge rich people to get in their good graces. It's, it's not an uncommon thing. We have to learn not to be different and treat everyone the same. It's a difficult thing to do, but it involves we understanding that we have chosen the path towards God. One time uh, we were having a uh, meeting in the back of the fellowship and where people were sitting at tables and uh I was giving this talk about how we have to accept everybody. And uh, 
<laughs> we can't turn we can't turn anybody away. And all of a sudden, this guy comes to our table, disheveled, and he smelled, and he sat down, and here was our test. And since we were talking about it, we were cognizant of it at the moment, so we all passed. But <laughs> but it happened right there, and. These things happen to us all the time. The question is, can we be accepting and can we be inclusive and can we allow people like that to get close to us? The extent of humility is unfathomable. And the extent that humility goes is unfathomable. It goes all the way to nothingness. We are nothing. Only Allah exists. That's the true extent of humility. And until we get to that point, to the la ilaha, I do not exist, our humility still has a way to go. We need to be constantly aware of the fact that in this world, we have a tendency to be aggressive because it's the nature in the world. Everything seems to eat everything else. Watch the animal kingdom. Watch the fish world. Um, everything is looking for its next meal of somebody else. Can we bypass that next meal? I was taking a course on philosophies of education. And the assignment was given to everybody that they had to do some kind of performance in the front of the class to exemplify the philosophy. And somebody got to the board and wrote on the board, survival of the fittest. And they had a little table in front of the board, the chalkboard, and two chairs. And they called me up to sit there in one of the chairs. And then they called somebody else up from the class who was about half my size to sit in the other chair. And she said, the person doing the presentation said, arm wrestle. So we arm wrestled. And of course I won. And she gave me an apple. And I took a bite of the apple and gave the rest of the apple to the person sitting across from me. Now, this was all kind of spontaneous. And it cracked me up. But the point is that things don't have to be that way. It depends on who you are. Can you share? Or to the victor belongs the spoils. This has to do with who we are and how we live our life. And just because everybody around us is trying to grab up as much as they can, it doesn't mean we have to be involved. But it also means that we have to become 
different than most of the world around us. And we have to be able to bear that difference and abide in that difference. In the circle of religion, there are not necessarily all humble people. There are all kinds of different people. Just because they're within religious institutions doesn't make them holy. It makes the place that they fell into the place that they fell into. There's a a story of a, a man who used to go around um, challenging religious people to disputations to prove that he knew more than they knew. And there was a man who had two uncles who were very, very high. And this man who was uh, doing the disputations was talking to him. And he said, uh, he told him about his two uncles. And he said, they're the smallest, meekest, humblest of men. They're the closest to God of anyone I've ever met. And he said, where they live? And he said, they live in a holy city in such and such a way. And he immediately took off to meet them. And the man challenged these two holy men to a disputation. He said, let us argue. He said, no, we're too, we're too small to argue with anybody. Uh, this isn't what we do. He said, well, then sign a paper that says I came to you and you submitted to me. And they did. They signed it, immediately gave it to him. And he was very proud of himself. And he went back to the man who told him about his uncles, the nephew, and he showed them uh, these papers, which really made that man angry that he would do this to his two holy uncles. And he challenged the man from the disputations to a disputation. And they went on for five days, arguing and arguing and arguing. And finally, the man who had been doing disputations all the time began to weaken. And the other man won. Uh, love won over aggression. And the man began to change. And the nephew went to his uncle's and said, uh, so-and-so came to me, uh, showed me the papers that you signed, but I took care of him. I had uh, an argument with him, and I won. And they said, well, you can't live in the holy city. This isn't the way we do things. And you can't stay with us. You have to live somewhere else. And he went and lived outside of the holy city. And then a year later, the uncles let him back in. But only after he learned the lesson that what they did wasn't because of negativity or blame or praise. It was because it was the appropriate thing to do. Because none of these things meant anything. So we have to understand what is important and what isn't important. And the most difficult things in this world to let go of are self-pride and praise and blame. 
When people get blamed, they feel they have to attack. How many people attack blame with love? How many people attack <clears throat> being wronged with love? How many people are capable of doing that? Or at least not being involved? How many people can walk away from a situation where somebody is aggressive? The world meets aggression with aggression. And the world believes that aggression can resolve aggression. And the truth is, it cannot. The only thing that can win in the long term in this world is love. Because the question of winning is very subtle. The question of winning is not what the outside results look like. The question of winning is, what does your soul look like? And what has happened to the internal mechanism of your being? And if you can keep the internal mechanism of your being in a state of peace and in a state of love and in a state of forgiveness, then you're a much different person than the one who came at you. And even though nobody can see what goes on inside of you, Allah sees, and Allah knows, and you know. And you know your state of peace or your state of anxiety. Imagine the people <clears throat> who go after other people with aggression. What's their state? Why do they need to be aggressive? What's driving them? How come they can't find peace inside themselves and have to act out. Well, it's because they have inner difficulties, inner insecurities, inner situations that they believe have to be resolved externally through aggression. When young people... Um, have a difficult upbringing. They can go through lots of different emotions. They can become sad. They can become depressed. Uh, they can become hurt. Or they can become angry. Anger is much easier to bear for a lot of these people than the hurt that they feel from being abused. So they become incredibly angry people. And they become abusive because they begin to learn that as you push harder, people stay away from you. And they become afraid of having people get close to them. We need to be able to let go of fear. We need to be able to know that the only true protection comes from Allah. And we need to make the decision in our life, that that is the protection that we are going to look for in our lives. That that is the protection that we are going to seek in our lives. And to do that, we have to let go of our aggression in this world. And we have to take on humility. And humility is a very difficult thing 
to take on. Because as you become humble, very often the ones who are aggressive will taunt you and will make fun of you and will push you. Um, the prophet was in a city called Tayyib in Arabia. And people came at him and threw rocks and hurt him. And the angel Gabriel came to him and said, At your word, we will destroy them. And he said, Have mercy on them. Their descendants will become my followers and give them a chance to understand. So, the fact that you understand ahead of everybody else is going to cause you problems in this world. Can you bear the difficulty of knowing the truth? Or will you succumb to letting go of the truth so you can fight back? These are the dilemmas uh, that people have. Somebody called <clears throat> Raghavan was with Bawa in Sri Lanka, in Jaffna. And he saw a man who used to walk around cursing Bawa, walking down the street. And Bawa was also walking down the street. And Bawa saw him and walked up to him and gave him money. And he said, when Bawa came back and he saw him later, he said, how could you give him money? You know he slanders you. You know he lies about you. You know he talk, gossips about you everywhere and says the worst possible things. And Bawa said, you know, the ones who slander you take on your karma. Whatever karma you have when they slander you goes to them. And I was paying him for the service he was doing for me. <laughs> and can you approach things that way? Can you see the larger picture? Or are we caught in the moment? Are we caught by the emotions of the moment and the aggression of the moment? And do we respond to aggression with aggression in the moment because that's what aggression brings up in us? The different levels of consciousness speak to different levels of understanding. Sense awareness of intellect speak to living within the world and supplying your own needs in the world. Uh, supplying your own needs at the expense of whatever, without discretion. When discretion comes, and you've been at this game of supplying your own needs for a very long time, discretion comes and, 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 and says to you, is that all there is? 
And then wisdom answers, no, that isn't all there is. But in order for there to be more, you have to make an intention that there be more. You have to make an intention to find a different path. You have to make an intention to go a different way. You have to make an intention that wisdom is more important than intellect. Because they're going to be at odds. Intellect is going to say, protect the egocentric self. Wisdom is going to say, the egocentric self doesn't exist. It's only your imagination that keeps it in existence. And then intellect and wisdom are going to fight. And that fight is going to go on inside of you. I have to protect myself. You don't have to protect yourself. God will defend you. But look look at what's happening to my name and my reputation. Don't worry. God will defend you. Well, this is a constant battle. And the question is, where is your faith? Is your faith in what you can do for yourself, or is your faith in what Allah, God, can do for you? Now, the odds in this fight are tilted. But in the moment, the intellect is not aware of that, because the intellect doesn't understand God. So the intellect thinks that I, the I, can do the most for me. Wisdom knows that the I is limited in what it can do, and only Allah can do. And when you give surrender to Allah, more can be done for you than you can ever imagine doing for yourself. So somehow, that transition has to go on inside of you. And it has to become your reality. You have to actually believe it. And when you believe it, that's when transcendence begins. That's when you can become comfortable in loving. That's when you can become comfortable in being humble. That's when you can become comfortable in giving. Uh, there was a man who was known for his great generosity. And uh, he was constantly giving. And uh, a beggar came up to him and asked him for something. And he had a expensive cup in his left hand. And he immediately gave it to the man and said, Here, take this, and it'll be worth some money for you, and you can sell it do something with it. And somebody... Uh, saw this and came up to the man who gave the cup away and he said, you know, it says that you should always give things with your right hand. Why did you give it with your left hand? Uh, he responded, a lot can happen between moving something from your left hand to your right hand and I didn't want to take the chance that my attitude would change so I gave it as soon as I possibly could. There's lots of stories like that. Uh, a man, a holy man is sleeping and somebody wakes him in his sleep and says, here is uh, 10,000 rupees to give to the poor. And he said, well, why did you have to come to me in the middle of the night? <laughs> and he said, because I wasn't sure I could keep that attitude until the morning. 
So I had to do it while the attitude, while that, that, that longing to do it was in me. And we need to understand that we're capable of changing. And when the good inclination is there, do the good thing. Don't waste time so that the good inclination goes away. And we should also understand, just as the good inclination changes in us, it changes in others. So just because we see somebody when their good inclination is in hiding doesn't mean their good inclination isn't going to come back and we shouldn't judge them forever because of the fact that we saw them in a moment when their good inclination was hiding. We have to have that kind of compassion for others and that kind of love for others. Babies screw up all the time and do nasty things, but we forgive them. We need to learn to forgive others in the same way. We need to be slow to anger and quick to forgiveness. But unfortunately, the opposite is what prevails. And we become very strong in our obstinacy about not forgiving people. Their fault is so egregious that there's no way we can forgive them. Well, judgment is not ours. Judgment is God's. But we can love. So let's love. We need to understand that that is the main thing that we can do. And so when it comes time for us to cross that river... Love is what's going to take us across. Love is how you swim in this ocean. And there's going to come a time when we're going to need to swim. And if you've learned how to love, you'll know how to swim. If you haven't learned how to love, you won't know how to swim. So may the love grow within all of us. And may it grow very, very great. And may it take us on the straight path towards Allah. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa